Thanks for checking out the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. This is a conversation all about leadership, vision, and joining in God's activity wherever you are. You can find the show notes, links, and other helpful resources at hopechurchlv.com slash podcast, YouTube, or on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Well, welcome to the November episode of the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. This is actually episode number 50, whether you're joining us on podcast, audio version, or you're over here on YouTube. By the way, if you haven't checked out our YouTube page, you can look up Hope Church LV on YouTube and see all of our sermon content, all of our video content, but the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast content as well. Uh, my name is Scott. I have the privilege of leading here at Hope Church um, and really excited about the content we're going to jump into today. I want to get right to it. I am, of course, here. If you see on video, um, I'm here. If you're not on audio, you're not here for me. You are here for the man, the myth, the legend, my pastor, mentor, friend, Pastor Vance Pittman <laughs> in the building. Vance, how you doing, man? I am doing very good, man. I'm doing very good. It's great to... Uh, uh, be alive. When I saw I saw you say episode 50, I thought, man, this last month I just turned 50 years old. And so I guess we've done one episode for every year of my one life. One episode for every year. But I got to feeling old again. So it's great to be alive. But we've just finished also the month of October. The month of October is the greatest month of the year. Not because it's when I was born. It's the greatest sports month of the year. We have college football in the thick of things. We got the NFL happening. You got Major League Baseball in the playoffs. You got hockey season starts, the NHL, NBA season starts, and you got the beginning of the PGA Tour year. It is just an, for a sports guy, it is the greatest month of the year. Vance and I actually talked last week about kind of the future of the podcast. And um, for all those who are sports fans, we actually may be throwing up some ideas about sports and leadership in the future. So I feel like almost every podcast starts with some element of sports, something that happened. Pr- uh, you know, recently, and and um, this will launch November first. We're recording this uh, a week early, um, but you had a big weekend this weekend because, uh, man, a team of yours, yes, is headed to yes. the big show, yes, for the first time in a long time. Yes, yes. For those of you that follow me on Instagram, you've already seen my son actually recorded my reaction and posted uh, on my Instagram account, but. Um, yeah, I had, uh, I've been an Atlanta Braves fan. I grew up four hours from Atlanta. And so every summer we'd go over to Braves games. It's just been something I've done since I was a kid. My passion for the game of baseball developed there, uh, going to Cobb County stadium, um, in Turner field. I've been a Braves fan since the infield was Chris Chambliss, Glenn Hubbard, Rafael Ramirez, and Bob Horner. So back in the day, uh, when the Braves were terrible, we couldn't beat anybody. And then lived through the 90s when the Braves won 14 straight division championships, World Series in 95. Last World Series appearance was in 1999. So it's been 22 years, meaning <laughs> Hope Church didn't exist. And I'd never lived in Las Vegas the last time the Atlanta Braves won the World Series. And I was 10. And you were great. <laughs> Back to the feeling old part of the podcast. Um, but it just, man, there's just something about the passion of postseason baseball that is unlike anything else. The anticipation that builds with every pitch, every move. Because baseball, for those that don't like the game, their, their criticism is it's too slow. But for those of us who love the game, it's a deliberate game. And every move matters. Everything that happens on the field matters. Um 
And everything has a, has a rhyme and a reason. And so, man, I've been watching the game my whole life. And for 22 years, we're back in the World Series. So, And it's, for those of you in Houston, I'm sorry, but it's the world against the Astros. So yeah. everybody wants the Astros to lose it's because true. of the garbage can incident and the cheating incident. But um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So by the time this drops. November 1st, so next Monday, will there be – Game one and two done? or uh, Well, the game start October 26th, so we'll be middle of the series by yeah. the time this drops. So hopefully by the time this drops, the Braves are up three to one. Awesome. For those of you that do not like baseball, I'm sorry for the last four minutes and 40 seconds. <laughs> I hope you're still with us. We got some good stuff to get into. As always, we try to provide content for you as a leader, no matter where you are leading, um, that will be helpful to you. Sometimes it is more kind of geared towards um, – geared towards leaders in in ministry. Uh, today is is one of those ones that, that is, is a, a broad range, no matter where you are leading, uh, something that we want to jump into. And you saw on the title, Five Ways to Damage Your Leadership. Um, Vance, this kind of came from a conversation we had uh, several months ago as we were planning out the podcast, kind of the, the high markers. But kind of to get into it, I want to I reference something you mentioned um, last month when you were talking about kind of what things that God did in you when you were on sabbatical this summer. And uh, one of the things that you mentioned um, was that you kind of recognize specifically social media. And this is not a, an episode about social media, but you basically, you've been leading for now over 30 years in pastoral leadership. You've recognized over the last however many months and maybe even a couple years, the the damage that the the tool, the great tool of social media can have on your life if you're not careful kind of led me down this road in my mind of, man, that really is a sign of leadership in and of itself to recognize a damaging tool. But then kind of getting us into our conversation today, um, you know, this idea of, man, there are some things that can damage your leadership. And we need to recognize those things. And, and we came up with five that we're going to kind of unpack. But before we jump in, any, any kind of introductory remarks on, on this issue of the fact that our leadership can be damaged by things in our lives? Well, that's obviously true, and I would just say a couple of things. Number one, um, in no way what we're about to do is an exhaustive list. Uh, this is just you and I putting our heads together and thinking through, you know, um, in our own life, some areas where we've seen, and then with some others that we've walked with that have seen damage in their leadership. These five things are for sure ways that you can damage your leadership. There are obviously other ways that others could point out, and maybe in other episodes we'll get to some of those. Uh, the other thing I'd say is just based on like what you said, this is not nothing that we're going to say really has anything to do with social media, but you referenced that kind of jumping into this. And I'm just glad to say that of my 30 plus years in leadership, 20 plus years of it, social media didn't exist. Yeah. So <laughs> it made it much better as a leader for many, many reasons. Yeah, for sure. So here's what we want to do. We want to basically just name each of these ways to damage your leadership. Pastor Vance is going to kind of talk through how, you know, unpack those things. And then we want to give you some questions to evaluate. So again, this is one where you may be listening while you're folding a load of laundry or driving in your car. But this is one of those episodes that we'll have all the info in the show notes. Maybe you want to get um, a few minutes in a, in a journal and, and really kind of evaluate each of these because I think we need to take heed as leaders, even if right now all signs are green and everything looks good, um, very quickly we can damage our leadership. And these are five really prominent ways that I think we need to be careful of and evaluate as we uh, move forward as leaders. So let's, let's jump in, Vance. Number one way to damage our leadership. Yeah, the first thing is what we're calling compromising convictions. And I would say this one's the softball toss in that 
it's the one that most people probably would assume. And with each of these, I want to give you a verse of Scripture that kind of undergirds uh, this truth. But with the idea of compromising convictions, there's a moment in Acts chapter 4 when the disciples are approached. And in verse 19 and 20, here's what they say. Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. And it was a moment when they were preaching the gospel and others were saying you shouldn't do this. And they just had this deep conviction based on what they'd heard from the Lord. This is what we have to do. And as leaders, all of us have to establish convictions. Now, when I'm talking about convictions, I'm not necessarily talking about truth. I am in one sense. Truth, what the Bible says, obviously has to be the foundation for everything we do as a leader. Doesn't matter if you're leading in the church or in business or in education. As a Christian, as a Christ follower, as a Jesus follower, all spiritual leadership is rooted and grounded in the truth of God's Word. But convictions are personal. There are personal convictions that we that are based on the truth. Now, I'm not talking about our personal preferences, our stylistic choices. I'm talking about deep-rooted convictions that God has led us to through the pursuit of His truth in our personal lives. And as leaders, we must define what those convictions are, and then once we have them, we must be sure not to compromise the convictions that God has given us as a leader. For example, uh, here at Hope Church, I'll give you two examples of some convictions of mine that I lead from. One of them will be applicable, obviously, in the church culture, and it's, it's the conviction of praying together. God did some stuff in me back in 2014, 2015. We'd always, as a church, been rooted in this, this strategy of we don't pray before we work. Prayer is the work, then God works. But I began to learn some things about corporate prayer, praying together. This power uh, of, God, <laughs> of God that works through His people praying together. Um, and man, it just established a deep-rooted conviction in me. And so now as we lead at Hope Church, you'll see this thing of praying together fleshed out in both large and small group environments because it's a deep-rooted conviction that I lead from. Uh, we don't pray when we start meetings because it's what you do to start a Christian meeting. No, we pray because of a deep-rooted conviction that God speaks to us often as we're praying together. Um, so that's an example. Another example, and this is applicable. I mean, obviously, if you're leading in business and school, there are moments when you can't get everybody together and pray. Not everybody's a Christian. But here's an example of something that's applicable regardless of your environment, and that is the, the deep conviction I have of team leadership. Uh, when you see the way Jesus structured his church, when you see the way Jesus planned for succession with the passing of the baton to the church being born in the book of Acts, Jesus didn't pick one guy, he picked 12 guys. And, and you even saw them grouped together as groups like Peter, James, and John, where there were teams of people. When Jesus sent people out, he sent them out two by two. Uh, and then as you look into the early church, Every time Paul went in the Bible anywhere, I love that Paul, his name in the Bible is almost always followed with the word and. It's always Paul and Timothy, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas. Paul never went anywhere by himself. And then you see when the early church is established, every time Paul planted a church, when he would leave, he would always put a plurality of elders 
plural elders in church singular leadership. There's this model of team leadership that has become a deep-rooted personal conviction in my life that we make better decisions together than we make by ourselves. And so those are two examples of convictions that I have that I lead from those convictions. And here's what I'm saying about damaging your leadership. When you begin to compromise those deep-rooted convictions that God's given you based on the truth, you open yourself up to serious damage as a leader. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. And, and as you evaluate this as a leader, um, I think the first question is, is Vance was just able to give a couple of examples out of his own life that he's led here at Hope. What are those for you? Get a, get a journal out. Get a, a note app out on your phone. What are the areas of your leadership where you know, man, God has, has given me a deep conviction. You, you don't have to hang out with Vance long before those just start coming out. So have you ever sat down and said, you know, God, what are those convictions that you've put on my heart based on the truth? And, um, and are there any areas where you go, man, I'm letting those slip for the purpose of, you know, whatever, more of this and whatever it may be. And then, like he said, that's opening yourself up to damaging in other areas. And so that's why we started with this one. I think that is kind of a good jumping off point. First way to damage your leadership, compromising convictions. Vance, what's that second one? Second one is cheating character. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, you know, (laughs) know my love for the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9 says, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Uh, so much in that proverb speaks to this issue of cheating character. Man, walking with integrity walks securely. There are other verses in Proverbs that talk about uh, when you're walking in integrity, you don't have to worry about what's behind you. You don't have to be constantly looking over your shoulder. Um and, and I love the balance of this. When you make your way crooked, you will be found out. It'll surface. It'll come out in your leadership. It will ultimately not only damage you as a leader, it'll damage those that are following you and the influence that God's given you for the sake of his kingdom. Another thing you've heard me say over and over again, probably on the podcast, is long-term, you cannot lead what you do not live. Um, it will be exposed over time. Now, in the short term, you can often fake it. In the short term, you can keep up appearances. But long-term, you can't lead what you do not live. So this idea of cheating character. So let me give you three key words um, that can help you avoid the, this thing of, of cheating character. Um, and the words are humility, transparency, and accountability. And I want to kind of define each of those. With humility, what I'm really talking about is an awareness that you haven't arrived. Uh, one of the things as leaders, if we're not careful, we can begin to read our own press clippings. We can begin to read what everybody says about us. And most of the time, what we're hearing is a lot of times the good stuff. Um, and, and we can not realize and we can forget that spiritually we don't wear a cape. Uh, we're not. A, but listen, before we're leaders, we're followers. And we are followers of Jesus in a process of being conformed to his image. And all of us have flesh propensities. All of us have weaknesses in our flesh that we need to be aware of. And that's this attitude of humility. If we're going to keep from cheating character as a leader and damaging our influence, we, number one, have to have a humble posture that says, man, I am aware that there's some stuff in me that's not done yet, that I'm a work in progress just like everybody else, and I have to be self-aware of that going on in my life. I was preaching this weekend at Hope, um, in our series, Who is God? And I was talking about God being slow to anger and talked about how 
one of the reasons we don't understand God being slow to anger is we only understand anger from our perspective as human beings and how we get angry. And I actually shared with our church, Scott, that one of my big flesh propensities that I've had to deal with since I came to know Jesus is this issue of anger and temper. And it's something that God is having to work out in my life. And I said to the church, you know, I'm not where I want to be, but I thank God I'm not also where I used to be. I'm in a process of being conformed. So if we're going to if we're gonna not cheat in this arena of character and damage our leadership, we need to be self-aware that we haven't arrived. We need to have a humble posture that we have weaknesses in our own flesh and in our leadership that need to be developed. The second word is transparency, and that's about acknowledging these things. It's one thing to be aware of this in my life. It's something else to say, Scott, man, here are the areas in my life where I'm struggling. I'm acknowledging that. I'm transparent. I am, I am informing others about my weaknesses so that they can walk with me on this journey. And that's really the third word. It's accountability. And that's about assistance. It's about inviting them to join you in growing in these areas where you know you have weaknesses, where you know you have um, uh, uh, areas in your character that God's still uh, at work sanctifying you. And there needs to be some processes in place where they can hold you accountable. For example, um, in, in my life, I've got some, some things in the arena of anger. I've got a couple of people on our team that, that know this uh, in my heart and life. They know what God's been doing. They've been walking with me for years. And I've given them open invitation anytime they see me respond, react, or approach one of our team members in anger. Don't do it right on the spot, but behind closed doors, come in and say, Vance, I think you could have done this better. So when they do, I go and apologize. I try to make that right. So there's a process in place to get feedback and accountability from somebody that I trust who, who, who has my best interest at heart to walk with me. Another one is, um, for me, another flesh propensity in my life that I've been transparent about with members on our team is lust. Anger and lust are probably the two big weak areas in my flesh that over the long haul in my walk with Jesus have been the, those, those um, uh, besetting sins where the Lord just continues to, to work out this in, in my life in a sanctifying way. So I've got processes in place. Like I never travel alone. I, I have people that have passwords. My wife has just recently, I've invited her to set new uh, passwords on my screen time app for uh, social media so that now once I get to a certain amount of time, I've got 15 minutes a day on Instagram and, and, and Twitter. When it's gone, like I literally have to go ask my wife for permission to get <laughs> same, back on. Same. And I've done that because I don't want to cheat character. Yeah. I don't want to damage leadership in those areas. So that's what I'd say about that. One. And I hope even you hearing Vance just be transparent that, that this is challenging for you. So the question to evaluate, you know, what are, he just named a couple for him, what are those areas of weakness for you? Uh, have you ever put those on paper? Have you ever took it, taken those to the Lord? And, and obviously he already knows, but understanding instead of trying to just ignore, these are areas that my flesh has a tendency to, to rear its ugly head. Uh, Vance mentioned, are you self-aware of those areas? These are all questions to evaluate. Have you acknowledged those before others? Whether those are people on your leadership team, people in your family, accountability partners, people in your church, whatever it may be. Um, and then have you invited those people in, like Vance said, to ask you the hard questions? 
Uh, these are all areas that you can, uh, things that you can put in place to, to allow you to not cheat your character. So compromising convictions, cheating character. What is that third one, Vance? The third one, it's, it sounds a little bit weird till I finish it to get the two words, but the two words are ignoring promptings. And by that, I mean ignoring promptings of the Holy Spirit. Um, let me give you two verses of Scripture for this one. One of them is in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. The second one is Galatians 5, 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Those two phrases, walk by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, both of them communicate this idea that as followers of Jesus, whether you're a pastor of a church, the president of a bank, the teacher in a classroom, a contractor on the job site, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. He indwells you. His presence is within you. And the Holy Spirit of God obviously has the role as we study God's Word and read God's Word of illuminating the truth of God and applying it to our life. And, and I wouldn't say that I'm a mystic, but I also believe that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is throughout our day, He prompts us, He speaks to us, He, he, he makes Himself known to us. And when we're talking about leadership as Christians, it doesn't matter what your title is. As a Christian, you are a part of spiritual leadership. Mm -hmm. And I think too often, we want to simply talk about leadership as some non-spiritual thing. But, but as a Christian, everything I do is to be controlled and influenced by the Holy Spirit of God. So even as a leader, whether you're a teacher, a banker, a football coach, a pastor, it's spiritual leadership. And it means that I need to live a life sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in my life. If you're a follower of Jesus, you cannot ignore the promptings of the Spirit. Sometimes those promptings of the Holy Spirit are invitations to a specific opportunity. Sometimes the promptings of the Holy Spirit are by way of opposition. They are checks in our spirit to keep us from going a certain direction. And here's what I've, I've learned. Every time I've, I've ignored the promptings of the Holy Spirit, it's been damaging to my life and my leadership. Um, let me give you an example of one of these in Scripture. Acts 16, Paul has just received the Macedonian call to where he felt like the, the Spirit of God through this call said, come over to Macedonia and help us. And, or he's, he's about to receive that call in, in this passage of Scripture that, um, that we're reading. These are the verses just before he gets that Macedonian call. And that's significant because if you know the his, history of this, the Macedonian call is when Paul, for the first time, takes the gospel to the continent of Europe. And so his, his response to the Holy Spirit opens up an entire missiological adventure of taking the gospel to peoples that had never received it before. But here are the verses, verses 6 and 7 of Acts 16. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. What does that mean? Does that mean that the Holy Spirit of God taped their mouths and they mm -hmm. literally couldn't talk? No. There was an inward, internal prompting of the Holy Spirit that they were not supposed to speak the word in Asia at this particular mm -hmm. time. Is it because God didn't love Asia? Is it because God hadn't given a command to, to preach the gospel to all nations? No. 
the Holy Spirit prompted them in this moment to not do something. Here's the next verse. And when they had gone up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. They had a plan. They'd met and decided, here's where we're going to go. And the promptings of the Holy Spirit led them in an entirely different direction. And so spiritual leadership means being sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And if we ignore those promptings, it will damage our leadership. Yeah, and as you were thinking that, as far as talking about that, as far as questions to evaluate, I, I wrote this down like, as a leader, do you even have an environment in your life where you're open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit throughout the day? I know for me, sometimes one of my, one of my biggest issues sometimes is I got a good God time. I spend time with the Lord in the morning, and then, man, I am just a 1,000 miles an hour until I hit the, the bed that night. And almost like, hey, God, uh, make an appointment with my assistant because I'm so slammed. Is there even an environment in your leadership, whether that's just moments throughout the day where you pause, where the Holy Spirit is very um, invited to join you and, and, to, and to prompt you in these ways? And the second question for evaluation is, are you obedient to those promptings? Um, it's crazy, as you were just reading the Acts uh, passages, to think if they were disobedient to those promptings of the Holy Spirit. Um, a lot would change. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you and I are sitting here today, yeah. both of European descent. Yeah. The gospel came from North Africa and the Middle East wow. to Europe based on Paul and his team together responding to the promptings of the Holy Spirit that went against their plan. They'd met as leaders and mapped out an agenda, and God had a different plan. Thank God Paul's... Leadership was not damaged. That's exactly from ignoring right. Ignoring the promptings. Exactly right. Compromising convictions, cheating character, ignoring promptings of the Holy Spirit. What's the fourth one, Vance? Wasting time. Hmm. Wasting time. Ephesians, Paul writes these words in chapter 5, verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And here's the verse, verse 16. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Andy Stanley has a quote, Scott, that you, you shared with me. Your leadership is a stewardship. It is temporary and you're accountable. Mm -hmm. We've been entrusted a certain amount of time to bring influence, which is leadership, for the sake of the glory of God, the kingdom of God. Again, whether you're pastor, business leader, it doesn't matter. If you're a school teacher, you've been entrusted a certain amount of time investing in the lives of children for the advancement of the kingdom ultimately and the educating of those kids. So it's a stewardship of time. And one of the ways as leaders we damage our leadership is by wasting time. And you can do that a few ways. Obviously, laziness is one of those. And, and I'll speak for just a minute to those in ministry in particular. One of the accusations of uh, people that aren't in ministry is that sometimes those who are in ministry can be lazy. And I think those of us in ministry, man, we need to set an example of what hard work looks like. Now, that doesn't mean you don't rest. You've heard on other podcasts. That doesn't mean you don't have balance. Mm -hmm. You've heard us deal with that on other podcasts. But we need to make sure that we're hard workers because what we're doing matters immensely. Um, but laziness is a way that you can waste time. But another way you can waste time is by just misappropriating the time that you have. Mm -hmm. You can be busy, but you can be busy not accomplishing that which is most important. Mm -hmm. And so one of the ways you make sure you're not wasting time is evaluating your schedule. Let me ask you a question. 
When's the last time? Not you, Scott. I'm asking our listeners. When's the last time? I looked at you, <laughs> okay, but I'm last. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> when is the last time you evaluated your schedule? My executive assistant and I, we sit down at least twice a year uh, to evaluate my schedule because there are always the tensions of what's important versus what is urgent. And the urgent things tend to creep in. And if you don't constantly come back and evaluate, you'll spend the bulk of your time doing what's urgent rather than what's important. And what's important gets laid aside and you wind up wasting time. Another way that we always evaluate schedule is working in something versus working on something. When you're in leadership, you have a responsibility not just to work in the organization or in the ministry, but you have a responsibility to work on it in a way that creates a better environment for everybody else to do what their gifts and abilities and responsibilities are. So I'm constantly evaluating my schedule. Is it important? Is it urgent? Am I working in? Am I working on? There needs to be balance to that. And then the other piece of that would be making sure there's margin. We just talked about promptings of the Holy Spirit. You can't respond to promptings of the Holy Spirit if you don't build margin into your schedule to make sure that you're maximizing those opportunities. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the promptings of the Holy Spirit will point out unexpected problems that you need to address and deal with. Other times the Holy Spirit will give you unforeseen opportunities that you didn't see coming. And if you don't have a plan to build margin into your life, you can't, you don't have the, the bandwidth to respond in those promptings of the Holy Spirit. So um, I think that this thing of wasting time is, is a very big deal. And I think that we have to make sure that we're constantly evaluating our schedule. Um, our executive pastor, Travis Ogle, just went and spent a couple of days uh, with a man named Larry Osborne, who's a, a pastor in Southern California. Larry's an, a, a wise guy when it comes to leadership. And they spent an entire day talking about making sure that you're balancing working in the ministry versus working on the ministry versus margin um, and making sure that all those things are in place. It's about evaluating your schedule. Here's an example of something I just changed in my schedule. Um, I preach every a lot of the weekends here at Hope Church, and a lot of times when I preach, I'll meet somebody that's lost, that's visiting the church. Um, they come up, talk to me after the service. They don't know Jesus. And I immediately... Uh, you can tell in that moment, sometimes right there in the moment you get to share the gospel. But for others, you know, it's, it needs a conversation. And I want to say to them, hey, let's get together this week. What I realized is my schedule had been so booked from an appointment standpoint that I needed to say to them, hey, let's get together in four weeks. Well, you can't do that with somebody that doesn't know Jesus. So I just made an adjustment in my schedule where every Monday I have a block of time open for any lost person that I may meet on a Sunday that doesn't know Jesus, where I can say, hey, let's get together tomorrow and let's talk about what it means to know Jesus. And it's just evaluating my schedule to make sure I'm not wasting time. That's great. So Vance already kind of gave a question to evaluate. When is the last time you evaluated your schedule to look at whether or not you are wasting the time that God or, or misappropriating the time that God has given you um, to impact his kingdom in whatever area that you are leading in? So uh, Vance, as we finish up today, we, we've yep. already talked about four um, really tough ways to damage our leadership. And what is this last one? The last one, and I'll be quick with this one, Just la it's, it's lacking vision. Um, the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Now, 
The problem is in the contemporary world of leadership, people hear vision and they think grandiose ideas, they think creative dreams, they think big plans, they think massive projects, but vision is none of those things. Vision is seeing God's activity and inviting others to join. Seeing God's activity and inviting others to join. What, what you're doing in casting vision as a leader is you're seeing where God's at work, what God's doing, and you're inviting others to get in on that. And again, I know that sounds like only something that pastors and ministry leaders can do, but that's not true. If you're a school teacher, you're seeing, now you don't have to say it this way, but you're seeing what God's doing in the families. For example, let's just say you're teaching school and you realize, man, there are four of the kids in my classroom, five of the kids in my classroom whose parents' marriage is suffering. Here's what you're seeing happening. You're seeing the activity of God in this arena of marriage, and you can now, as a leader, begin to implement strategies around inviting others to join into, and you can do that in a way that doesn't have to be overt. It doesn't have to be church. It doesn't have to be uh, cloaked in, in Christian verbiage, but it's about seeing where God's at work and inviting others to get in on that. Um, you see a, a situation with, with an employee, you say you're working, you got a secular business and, and there are, there's a, a family on your, that's a part of your staff that is, is struggling with a health situation. Then as a leader, you respond to that by mobilizing others to come around and serve. You're, it's seeing God's activity and inviting others to join into it. And as leaders, this, this demands intimacy with God. It demands that we're following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. It demands we're hearing from God. Um, but here's what I believe. When people see God at work, they'll leverage their lives to be involved in it. And I know that's true about God's people. But I'm telling you, it's often true about people that don't know God. For example, um, Part of what we're doing in the city of Las Vegas has to do with the arena of foster care and the fight of human, against human trafficking here in our city. So we've established an organization called The Hub that operates here in our city. Um, we now have lost people in our city that are leaning into that with their time and their money. We just got a significant check from a person that does not know God mm. because they see what we're doing in this arena. Now, they wouldn't say it's God's activity. We know it to be God's activity. They just think it's benevolent. But here's the thing. Part of God's desire and design for our city is that those things are eradicated. And we're inviting this lost person in on this journey of being about that. Um, and when you don't have vision, when you're not letting people see what God's doing, man, it can damage your leadership. Yeah. So on that vein, as we finish up, questions to evaluate. First one is, are you actively looking for God's activity in your leadership? Um, are you on, do you have your antennas up for what God is doing? Again, it kind of goes back to this holistic idea of just not being staring down at your to-do list every day, but really looking at what God is doing around you. So are you actively looking at God's, for God's activity? And then the second question, are you actively inviting people to join in? Um, do people know where, where God is working because of your leadership? And, um, are you inviting people into that? So, uh, man, this has been really good. I hope for those listening or watching, you have been challenged in some areas to to evaluate and to look at ways that may be damaging your leadership. Vance, as we finish up, anything anything you'd like to add or anything you'd like to kind of put the bow on this thing? I would just say as an ongoing exercise, this is a starting list. Mm. Um, as you think through this, think through some other things, some other ways that you can damage your leadership 
And if you if you come up with some stuff that's really good content, shoot us an email. Absolutely. We'd love to have a conversation about it. Absolutely. Well, Vance, thanks for your transparency as always. Thanks for giving us some good content to chew on. I uh, hope you are excited about what God's doing wherever you are leading. And we will catch you in December, believe it or not, December of 2021, next month on the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. Thanks again for joining us today for the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed what you've heard, we would love to help spread the word. You can drop a comment on YouTube, leave a review on your favorite podcast app, or share this episode on your social media. Thanks again for joining us.